Good afternoon. It's good to be with you and to have you listening and studying God's Word with us today. I want to begin today by reading a number of passages from the New Testament. And if you will, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. And we're just, we will start at verse 25 and just read a few verses and then go to another text as well. And then after reading this, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question. So in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, the Holy Spirit has Paul say, I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel un until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins. Turn a page or two in your New Testament to Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. And we will begin at verse 25 as well and read to the end of the chapter. Romans 16 verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. Now turn over to Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we will read a few verses here. And again, we're going to begin at verse 25. Colossians 1 verse 25. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. So that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Turn a couple pages to the fourth chapter of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 2 through 4. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Paul states, Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. One more passage I'd like to read before we get into our lesson. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, and so turn back a few pages in your New Testament to the letter to the Ephesians in the 6th chapter, so it's the last chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And I'm going to read verses 18 through 20. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So in these five passages which we just read, do you notice any particular word or maybe a unique idea that is, that is found in all five of them? The Apostle Paul in these passages refers to the revelation of the mystery. He calls it also the, the mystery of Christ or the mystery of the gospel. Now, a lot of people enjoy the challenge of a mystery, but this is not just some man-made mystery, some man-made story to entertain us. Nor is it some undiscovered fact about some event that has already occurred. The mystery found in the Bible, the mystery found in the Bible is God at an appointed time and in an appointed way has revealed the truth. The truth about his provision, about his gift to bring sinners into his sanctified fellowship. And especially offering this, this indescribable gift, this sanctified fellowship, offering it to all nations. To all so-called Gentile people. And not just exclusively to the people of that one physical nation of old, the nation of Israel alone. God taking divided people and making them one people is truly a mystery. A mystery which only God could unveil and a mystery which only God can accomplish through his son Jesus. If you go back and kind of glance at chapter 6 again in the verses that we read, particularly verse 19, we see that the Apostle Paul's life, his life mission was to preach the mystery, the mystery of the gospel. And the preaching of that mystery simply was the unveiling of the truth, an unveiling of truth that involved preaching God's power unto salvation, which Paul writes back writes about back in Romans chapter 1. A salvation available only in and only through the name of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the water of life. Jesus is the true bread from heaven. He is the Lord. He is the King. He is the Savior. So God's deliverer, God's deliverer was to come from Zion, as Romans 11 talked about. He was to come from Zion, and he was to establish his covenant. A covenant which would offer forgiveness. Forgiveness to Jews 
and Gentiles alike. So this revealed God-breathed secret calls all people to believe and to obey the word and the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, definitely this mystery is good news. But there is more to it than simply washing away our sins. There's more to it than simply forgiving us and freeing us from the burden of our own guiltiness. That's important. That is needful. But there's more to this mystery than simply that one vitally important spiritual gift. The richness of this mystery, the richness of this mystery is that God's will, God's will is that He desires, He wants Gentiles with Jews to share. To share in the hope of glory, as Paul writes there in Colossians 1, 27. This, this glorious hope, this confident expectation of glory one day is promised to all. It is promised to all people. It's promised to everybody who have Christ in them. Now that entails admonishment. That entails teaching, but it entails the kind of admonishment, the kind of teaching that makes men complete in Christ, as Paul wrote there in Colossians 1. So therefore, a person must be willing to hear. He must be willing to receive the revealed mystery's message. This message or mystery from Christ, they must be willing to hear it. They must be willing to receive it. Because a person who rejects that admonishment, the person that rejects that teaching of Christ's mystery, the mystery of the gospel, does not have the hope of glory. We reject the admonishment, we reject the teaching of Christ, which Paul and Peter and others preached and wrote then we are outside of the hope of glory. But the mystery is all about the fact that God's will is that all men, Jews and Gentiles alike, from all nations, can and have access to sharing in the hope of glory. A person who neglects to make himself complete in Christ does not have Christ in him. And so God has made this mystery of Christ accessible. God has made this mystery of Christ, this mystery of the gospel, knowable. Once it was a mystery, but now it is no longer a mystery if we have the heart to receive it, the eyes to see it, and the ears to hear it. But each individual, each individual is responsible. And each individual is accountable to taking heed to that mystery to the admonishment of that mystery, to the teaching of that mystery. Christ in you is all about a changed relationship. It's all about a harmonious fellowship. Christ in you is all about a holy partaking with God's anointed one and his holy one. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 now. And we're going to read several verses, starting there in verse 
11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. And we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Now pay attention to what the Spirit says. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... Now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that In himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both, We both have our access into one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. This expression, this phrase back in chapter 2, verse 11, the Gentiles in the flesh depicts an individual, based upon what we read, it, it is an individual who is one outside of Christ, He is one who is unreconciled to God, and he is one without peace. In other words, this kind of person, this kind of character, is an unsaved, worldly person. Now, the circumcised Jews of the New Testament time period called such people the uncircumcised. So what does this mean? What does this mean in relationship to the one true living God? To be... One who is a Gentile in the flesh or one who is an unsaved worldly person. What does this mean in relationship to God? How does the walk of the Gentiles affect a person's spiritual condition and eternal destiny? Well, verse 12 basically sums that up. Where he says, at that time, such a person is separate from Christ... He is alienated or excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. He is a stranger to the covenants of promise. He has no hope and he's without God in the world. Such a person, the Gentile in the flesh, the unsaved worldly individual, such a person 
who remains outside of Jesus is lost. Is lost in his sins. All blessings and all benefits that are found and available and accessible in Christ are not available to that person when he's outside of Jesus. And so there's no forgiveness and there's no salvation being separate from Christ. Ancient Israel was a chosen nation of God. A nation whom God blessed and God utilized throughout their history to bring the hope of glory to the world. Gentile nations during that time period were not so privileged to share in the common interest of that amazing plan of redemption. They were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They were not in covenant relationship with God. And having not received God's law through Moses, nor heard the Messianic prophets, they knew nothing, knew nothing about the Abrahamic seed blessing all nations. They knew nothing about the suffering servant who would give his life for the iniquities of others. They knew nothing about the day that a new covenant would come. And in that covenant, there would be forgiveness of sin. They were castaways, strangers, wandering aimlessly in the world, not part of God's people. They were truly alone. They were truly helpless, unable to change the direction of their lives, nor the end awaiting them, whose future held nothing good. There was nothing good for them, just futility, darkness, and death. That's the condition of one described as the Gentiles in the flesh, the unsaved worldly individual, the one who pursues a love of this world and not the love of our Heavenly Father. But, but when the hope of glory came, when the hope of glory came into the world and God's mystery was now unveiled, it was revealed, all people, all people, including these so-called Gentiles in the flesh, could taste of the goodness of Christ in you. They could partake of that. They could share in that. They were granted the opportunity as we are today, we are granted the opportunity and the blessing of, of experiencing something radically new through Jesus Christ. Their past no longer had to cement, cement their future end. New, meaningful, and fulfilling relationships became expressions of the privileged blessings Blessings shared together as one people of God. No longer two. No longer strangers and aliens. But rather fellow citizens with the saints. God's holy ones. Fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. Look again at, in Ephesians 2 verse 9. So then, talking to these Gentile Christians. He is reminding them what their past was before they 
put on Christ. He says, so then you are no longer strangers. That's what they were called back in verse 12. You're no longer aliens. That's what they were described as back in verse 12. He says, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Drop down to the third chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians 3. Let us pick up their reading at verse 4 and read just a few verses. By referring to this, when you read... You can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body. And fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister. According to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the working of his power. Do you see the changed relationship? Do you see now we enter a harmonious fellowship? Now we see this partaking you know, this communing with not only God's anointed one, but also with all of those who have likewise come into this sanctified relationship. Jesus is the king of kings. And his kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. It is a heavenly one characterized by holiness and righteousness. And so when time and universe are no more, those who are fellow citizens, such as those in Ephesus. And so when time is no more and all is done away with, Christ's citizenry will still be standing. His people, his kingdom, his citizens will be granted entrance into heaven. This is what the mystery is all about. But also they are fellow heirs. All those who are belonging to Christ are heirs according to the promise, as Paul wrote over in Galatians 3.29. They are the ones who are sons of God through faith, and as many as were baptized into Christ put on Christ, and they became heirs of the promise. That is, they are recipients of the Abrahamic blessing in heavenly place, and thus are fellow heirs with the Son of God himself. Waiting to be glorified with him. Romans 8, 17. Waiting to experience the transformation of this lowly physical body into something that's incorruptible and immortal and eternal. To forever be with him. Philippians 3. Jesus has but one body. One body over which he is the head and he is the savior. And it is his blood that makes it possible that a cleansed sinner becomes a member of that, or added to the body of Jesus Christ, a sacred body in whom the Father and the Son may dwell and be glorified. This body, composed of people, is growing into a holy temple in which God may live within us. The promise and the avenue of redemption is now revealed. Why? So that we may partake 
of the adoption. We may partake of the forgiveness. We may take of the grace. And so we are fellow partakers. We are fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. The hope of the calling of Christ is what fills us. And it is filled with the riches of the glory of Christ's inheritance, as what Paul talks about over in chapter 1, verse 18. He said, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know, that you may know what is the hope of this calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The hope of glory, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of which Paul preached and wrote is available to us. It is accessible to us. But we must understand that hope of glory is Christ in us. And that we need to be made complete in Christ through the mystery's admonishment and through the mystery's teaching, the gospel of that mystery. Are you one of the Lord's fellow citizens? Are you one of the Lord's fellow heirs, fellow members, fellow partakers? Or are you still one who is walking in the ways of the Gentiles? And therefore you are separate and excluded and a stranger and have no hope because you are without God in this world. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, learn of him, and submit to him, and put him on. Put him on you know, through the obedience of faith. If you are a believer, you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is. He is. And we have witnesses revealing that to us. If you believe that, then you need to repent of sin. You need to confess faith in the Son of God. And you need to be baptized so you may put on Christ and begin the journey of completing your life with Christ. If you're a Christian, you have called upon the name of the Lord. You have begun that journey. You have been added to the body of Christ. You are You are a fellow member and a fellow partaker, but you have strayed. You have erred. You have sinned. And that is separating you from God at this time. We want to encourage you, make that right. Don't throw away the hope of glory. If we can assist you in any way, we'd urge you, contact us. Allow us to know how we can help you to put on Christ in baptism or to pray with you or pray for you. Whatever your need may be. God's mystery is not a mystery anymore. It is is knowable. It is accessible. And it's all about Christ in you and you in Christ. Thank you for listening today.